both to highlight and uh, all the stuff that Welcome Church is doing. We're very grateful to Nikki and the team who do a lot of through Welcome Boxes here. Uh, and there's loads obviously going on, on around the nation that Welcome Boxes, Welcome Churches are uh, supporting and helping to welcome people from all over the world. But also, it's a bit of a springboard into what I'm going to say. So, joy to the world. Just been sung in many languages. Uh, that wonderful song declaring the truth. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. And it is Christmas time, if you haven't noticed. We're remembering Jesus has come. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Recently, we've been looking in John's gospel, and we see particularly in John chapter 1, and verses 1 to 12, 1 to 12, verses 11 to 12. I'm not going to read all of that just now. Verses 11 to 12, what do we read? He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. A couple of weeks ago, in John 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And even that wonderful truth that Gareth was reading at the carol service last week, and right back in Genesis chapter 22, God's promise to Abraham. Genesis 22, and particularly in verse 18. Through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Jesus comes. This is joy to the world. This is hope to every nation. This is blessing to all nations. That's what Jesus came to do. He came into the world bringing hope to all. To all, as John goes on to say, to all who would receive, he gave the right to become children of God. Let's pause here. We need this hope. We live in a world that needs this hope. A world facing uncertain times. A world facing this continued threat of COVID. This world facing all sorts of things and disappointments and difficulties and challenges and people facing everything. Perhaps fearful. Perhaps disappointed. Perhaps just a bit confused. Well now, as always, here is where we find hope. And we're going to look at the Christmas story today. And we're going to do a bit of a whistle-stop tour through a lot of the Christmas story. And of course, in the Christmas story, we see Mary and we see Joseph. But we see an awful lot of other characters. Of course, we see Jesus, but I'm taking that as read for now. But we see all sorts of other characters. People in many different situations from many different backgrounds. Well, let's see them afresh today. 
And as we see them, let's see Jesus is the one who comes to bring blessing to all nations, the one who comes to bring hope into all these different situations, the one who is joy to the world, light in the darkness, hope to the hopeless. So we're going to see all sorts of different people who interact with Jesus. we see that he comes as hope for all of them. And we're going to see their reactions as well. And so as we see this afresh, we see Emmanuel, God, with us. Let's behold Jesus again. And let's think, how will we, each of us, with our own individual backgrounds, our own current circumstances, our own upbringings and everything else, how will we respond to him this Christmas? So, Christmas story. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary. Yeah, we're remembering, we're there. And the angel Gabriel gives Mary great news. An interesting message. Mary's a little bit kind of, whoa, okay, for a minute, but she receives with faith and humility. Yeah, let it be to me as the Lord has said. I'm going to have a baby. He's going to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Although I'm a virgin, I'm going to have a baby. The, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon me and I'm going to have a baby. Right, we know that bit. What happens next? Who does Mary go to see? Go on, Sam. Ooh, well, Mary does see Joseph, absolutely. She does see Joseph. Uh, Mary and Joseph have to have a bit of a talk. Joseph has to hear from God, know what's going on. But Mary goes to visit someone. I'm getting lots of front row. Ewan. Go on, say it again. I think... I think you're saying Elizabeth. I'm going to take it you're saying Elizabeth because that's what I want to hear. Thank you, Ewan. Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth or her relative Elizabeth. We're going to read that in Luke chapter 1 and verse 39. Luke chapter 1 and verse 39. At that time, after she'd heard from Gabriel. Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured? Why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfil his promises to her. Okay, we see this wonderful meeting. We see Elizabeth, Mary's relative. Mary goes to see her. We see this close family member. It's the first people we're going to see who are encountering Jesus in this story. Elizabeth, a woman in her old age, 
who if we read back in the story, we'll see that she is miraculously pregnant as well. Miraculously pregnant with John the Baptist. We see Elizabeth, a Jew, one of God's people, married to Zechariah, a priest. Perhaps a respected person, perhaps part of, certainly their family, a, a part of a priestly family who, who would have been a part of that part of society. And we see in this early encounter, Jesus comes to those who are close. Paul picks up in Ephesians chapter 2 that Jesus came to those who were near and those who were far off. Let me go there. I'll read those words. Ephesians 2, verse 17. He came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. But through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. And we see here an example. Jesus comes in Mary to someone as an example of someone who's close part of, the, of a priestly family, part of, the, of God's people. We've seen that through the early chapters of John. Jesus coming to the Jews, speaking to those who were part of God's chosen people. He was come to be king of the Jews. But as well as that, we see Mary going to a family member, someone who's close to her. As we look at these different examples today, we see that Jesus, joy to the world, Jesus, the one who's come, can be good news for those who are close to us. Family members, friends, let's believe even this Christmas for the good news to impact family members, friends, people we love. I want us to stop for a moment and kind of marvel at this event. We see Elizabeth in her old age. We see John must be the youngest person we see encountering Jesus. I think he's minus three months old at this point. As Mary and Jesus in her comes to Elizabeth, John leaps in his mother's womb. Here we see Jesus, even before he is born, coming to John before he is even born. And we see John's joyful reaction. See, hugely controversial in society today around the rights of the unborn. I just look at these words. John leaps in his mother's womb. But more generally, the joyous news here is Jesus comes. He hasn't got an age limit. He's not going to wait until you're an adult. He doesn't have to wait until you're a teenager, kids. He doesn't have to wait until you understand everything. He's good news for you. As much as he's good news for me. Jesus comes to the very young. 
We see in Elizabeth and John a woman in her old age who's miraculously pregnant and her as yet unborn child both encountering Jesus. Jesus comes to the old and to the young. In that moment, just commend things like mini kids, teaching truth to tiny children, bringing hope to tiny ones. You can know him. This is the truth for you too. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the one who is true for you too. He is true. And kids today, you can know him. But what are John and Elizabeth's reactions? Well, just to summarize, they are full of joy that Jesus has come. We see Elizabeth's wonderful, humble response. Why am I so favored? A baby's leapt for joy in her womb and she is humbled. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Remember this wonderful truth. Jesus comes to us not because of us, not because of who we are, not because of what we've done, but because of his great mercy. So first thing today, will we respond as Elizabeth and John? Young and old, but both coming filled with joy and humble delight to the king. Okay, the story moves on. Mary goes home. Mary will definitely have seen Joseph again. They'll have been working out what they need to do next because they've been told there's a census coming and they've got to go to Bethlehem, okay? So they journey to Bethlehem. And while they're in Bethlehem, the time comes for the baby to be born. The baby is born and she lays him in a manger. But once the baby's been born, now... You've had a bit of a sneak peek at this one. If you remember what Beth was reading earlier on, who do the angels come to tell the good news to? I'm getting the same hands. Anna, I'll go with you today. The shepherds, fantastic. Shepherds out on the hill. We see the shepherds. I won't read all of it again. We've heard it from Beth just now, which is fab. In Luke chapter 2, in Luke chapter 2, I'll just read the beginning of it. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. For all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find him in the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So Jesus has been born, and what do we see? We see shepherds out on a hillside. As Beth already reminds us of, ordinary people. In many ways, probably pretty marginalized people right out on the edge of society doing this job that 
was really hard work, really difficult, out in all uh, the environment, out in all weather and everything, looking after sheep. Marginalized, poor, ordinary people. God breaks in. God comes to them. God sends the angel to them. Marginalized, poor, ordinary people. As Beth said earlier, ordinary people get an extraordinary encounter with the angels and then with the Son of God himself. But we see in the shepherds those who are minding their own business, going about, getting on with the job, getting on with what they needed to do, just getting by, and yet into the midst of that, God breaks in. How do they respond? Well, first they're terrified. Bright light, angel appears. Whoa, okay. But they're given good news. We hear Jesus responding to John the Baptist's disciples in Luke chapter 7, verse 22, saying this is what the kingdom of God is all about. Amongst other things, in Luke 7 and verse 22, he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. This is Jesus. Who comes, yes, to the young and to the old. He comes to the marginalized and the poor, those who are just getting on with life and trying to make things work. God comes and he breaks in. They're given good news. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Well, that's how you'll know it, but I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David. A saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah. And then as we read on, that all the angels fill the sky and they're praising God. But how do they respond? These ordinary shepherds, they've heard good news. They're just minding their own business. They're just getting on with life, but they've heard something's happened. Well, they respond like this. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And then once they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. See, a people who hear the good news and they go and check it out. Let's go and see. They find it to be true. And they go on their way glorifying and praising God, telling others, finding amazement in the people that they speak to. So secondly today, will we, like the shepherds, recognize that we are welcomed in? And come again and see and therefore joyfully tell others of this glorious good news. And I want to specifically say for the hurting, for the broken, 
for the poor, for, the, for those who feel on the margins, you are welcome. You are part of this. The King of Kings welcomes you. And you are part of this family. Okay, so the shepherds go home. They go off praising God. They go off telling everyone about what's going on. You got another, you got another spoiler this morning. It's time for Mary and Joseph to fulfill the rites of the law following Jesus' birth. So they visit the temple in Jerusalem, and who do they meet? Who did Joe tell us about? I can't go to Anna and Andrew all the time. Sarah van der Merwer. Simeon. And Anna. Anna. Fantastic. They meet Simeon and Anna. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And it says that moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And then we see him meeting Jesus. And then later on, we see this. In verse 36, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. We see Simeon and Anna, and we see those, as Joe reminded us, those who have been waiting, those who have been persevering, those who have been longing for something to come. I love these two in the story. These two older folks, otherwise unknown in Scripture, other than right here, who have waited a long time to see this. Simeon, as we hear, has been waiting for the consolation of Israel, and he's been promised, he's heard from God, you will not die before you see this, before you see the one come. Anna, there day and night at the temple, fasting and praying, looking forward to this redemption. And we see Jesus come to those who have faithfully waited and served. Those who now are seeing the fulfillment of what God has promised. Those who have been waiting for answers. Those who have been waiting for this moment. And the moment comes. And so how, does, how do they respond? Well, let's see Simeon's wonderful song that we read from verse 28. Well, let's go from verse 27 because I stopped a bit early there. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. We see the wonderful reaction of two people who have persevered. They've waited. They've kept going. They've faithfully kept going. Holding on to the promises of God. See this wonderful truth. Wonderful truth is wonderful. It's, it's painful in a way as you read about Anna, the daughter of Penuel, who had been married for seven years. Okay, in the culture, probably she was married relatively young. We don't know, and we don't know exactly when she was married, but she'd been married for seven years. And then after her husband died, she'd been to the temple and she's now 84. So after her husband died, she's been perhaps 50, 60 years. I don't know. Fasting and praying, waiting for this. Waiting for this, holding on to the truth. I know you are enough. I know that you are going to do what you have said. It's beautiful. And it's painful at the same time. You can see, like, wow. And one said, that's, that's so much hardship there. So, so difficult. So lonely, perhaps. And yet this is... This is what Anna, the daughter of Penuel, has been holding on for. And she comes up to them at that moment, gives thanks to God and speaks about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She knows this is it. I've been waiting all these years, but here he is. It's a wonderful Picture of perseverance. One that we might, might not always want to hear or see. Keep going. Keep going. Keep crying out. Keep praying. Keep following him. Keep walking with him. Because he is faithful. And he will come. And obviously in this sense, he has come. We see an incredible example of perseverance and faithfulness from both of these two, but also the wonderful, glorious faithfulness of God. Here, here comes Jesus, and who gets to see? Simeon and Anna waiting at the temple. So, thirdly, today, will we, like they did, persevere? Trust him in everything and with everything. Will we devote ourselves like them to the truth, to him, to Jesus? See this note, Anna, daughter of Penuel, in the temple day and night, never left the temple but worshipped day and night, night and day, fasting 
and praying. I'll just put it out there. I'm asking myself the question. Is God calling us to more of that? <laughs> to pray and to fast, to seek him, to, to go after him with everything. But will we, like they, persevere and trust him in everything? I'm going to make two comments right there. Specifics. Firstly, there is hope here for those of you who really are persevering in something, waiting for something, clinging on, hoping for something to change. He's with you. He is faithful. He hears you. I specifically felt God saying to older ones amongst us, with the words, it's not wasted, it's not too late. Keep believing for what God is yet to do with you. Now, you can decide yourself whether you fit into that category of older ones amongst us. I'm not going to specify. But I feel, I feel that sense of, look, he's still going. God's still at work. God is still on the move and there's always more to come. Okay, we're coming towards the end, but who else? We move into Matthew's gospel, that gives you a clue. Who else comes to visit? Go on, Jairus. The wise men. I hear you, Ewan, as well. The Magi. Matthew chapter 2. So we've seen this story develop. It's all come from... Well, obviously it all started way long before this, but it all came from Gabriel coming to Mary, gives her this promise, Mary becomes pregnant, she visits Elizabeth, she comes home, Joseph, we've not talked about Joseph, but Joseph has a dream, he re realises that, yes, I can take Mary as my wife, they go together to Bethlehem, there Jesus is born, the angels speak to the shepherds, Joseph and Mary and Jesus visit the temple and see Simeon and Anna, now, we don't know exactly when the visit of the Magi come, comes into that. But we could, could imagine it could be some time later. But let's read in Matthew 2, uh, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Uh, we then goes on, we'll, get, we'll learn about King Herod, but we'll come to him in a minute. But later on in verse 9, they get an answer from Herod. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Okay, the Magi. I admit it, I can often find myself glossing over the Magi. I can stick to Luke's 
Stick to Luke's story of the gospel. Not say, I'm not saying anything about the Magi not being there. I'm just saying I don't focus on them in the story. And just gloss over. Oh, yeah, and then there were the wise men. Yes, there were the Magi. Who are they? They're these mysterious men from the east who see a star and know somehow that a king has been born. If you kind of read into the background of this, it's kind of, they're kind of pagan astrologers, or maybe with a bit of astronomy going on as well. Potentially kind of magicians, maybe real dabblers in lots of dark arts, actually. But they're these mysterious guys from way far away. If you read some versions of Matthew chapter 2, you get a, a real sense where, uh, where are we? Uh, do, 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 do. In, the, in the NIV that I'm reading, it just says, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east come to Jerusalem. In some of the older translations, or other translations say, behold, Magi from the east came from Jerusalem. Matthew's getting our attention here. Okay, these guys have turned up. Take note, see who this is. But we see here those who really are far away. Far away physically from somewhere out east. Gentiles. And fairly clearly, even from how they discovered Jesus, pagan sinners who were looking in all sorts of places to find meaning. Some guys searching the sky for a sign, searching the stars for some meaning, searching for something. And they journey, journey, journey a long way. We don't know exactly where they're from, but not from just down the road. But they journey long to find the one born King of the Jews. And they bow down in worship. And so we see with the Magi again, the wonder of this birth. The King of Kings has come to earth. Jesus, the Son of God, has come to earth. And who gets to hear about it? So we've already looked. Luke tells us that the angels go to shepherds. Ordinary everyday folk out in the fields. And as Matthew here reveals, who is it who gets the memo? Who sees the sign? Pagan, Gentile sinners from far away. But they're all welcomed. They're all welcomed. We're all welcomed. We're all welcome to come and like the wise men, like the Magi, where they seem, in this moment, certainly, they seem pretty wise. Come and bow before the King of Kings. Again, as we remarked, Paul talks later in Ephesians 2.17, he preached peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near. It's through him that we all come to the Father. 
through Jesus. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, this little baby, the mighty King, who calls us all to come and bow. The Magi, if we just focused in on them, how intriguing, how kind of bizarre is the story. These guys from way out east who just, they see a star in the sky. They see something, a sign in the heaven. They think, okay, we're going. We're going to go and we're going to see. We've been searching around for, for whatever meaning we can find out here, but no, one's been born who's king of the Jews. And actually, I think we need to go and see him. And when they get there, they bow in worship. Will we, like them, come and bow? Wherever else we may have or may be searching for meaning, fulfillment, life, happiness, whatever, will we stop and come and bow the knee before him? Come and humbly bow before the King of Kings, who is the only one who can satisfy and worship him. Because finally, there's one other person in the story that I just glossed over just now. There's one more character who doesn't respond quite so well. Who's that? Anyone? Go on. Herod. Thank you very much, Jonathan. I think. <laughs> Herod. Matthew 2, verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When Herod heard about the one born king of the Jews, he was disturbed. We won't get into the depths of the meaning of that word, but he wasn't best pleased. He was confused, he was angry, he was not, not happy. We see Herod with his power, his position, his status. I'm the king. What are you talking about? And we see Herod revealing his obstinance his pride, his fear. He was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. What's Herod considering? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my position? What does this mean? How can it be that there's another one who's saying he's the king of the Jews? What's that all about? I'm the king. Who does he think he is? What will this mean If I'm to go and recognize this one, it's going to change everything for me. In one sense, he's not wrong. It would change everything. Herod's got a lot to give up. Bowing before Jesus could cost him dearly in a worldly sense. You can't ignore this. This is true. And in one sense, it's true for all of us. We can so easily think that to respond to Jesus is, actually, my life's pretty good, but maybe I could accept Jesus into my heart as well. 
Maybe I could add Jesus to my already pretty decent life. What we see from the Magi and then from Herod in contrast is that Jesus calls us to come and bow, to come and repent, to come and surrender, to come and have him as king and Lord. Let him lead. Recognize that he knows what he's talking about. The Magi come and bow. Herod's unwilling to bow the knee. Instead, as we could go on to look at in the rest of chapter 2, he looks to destroy, to get rid, to get rid of the problem as he sees it, to maintain his position and his comfort. So will we, unlike Herod, give up our position, give up any of our pride, and come like the Magi and bow before him. Not before Herod, before Jesus. Okay, it's been a bit of a whistle-stop tour. But we see Jesus impacting the young and the old, the near and the far-off, Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, even right here in the Christmas story. Of course, if we look through the Gospels, we go on to see so much more of that. So I just encourage us this morning, will we this Christmas humbly find joy like Elizabeth and John? Humbly come, who am I that I could be welcomed in? Come and see like the shepherds, recognizing that we're all welcome to come. And we're all invited, even directed, to go and joyfully spread the word to others. Will we faithfully persevere, trusting him like Simeon and Anna? And will we humbly bow before him, recognizing him as Lord and King, putting off our pride in repentance and accept Jesus as King this Christmas?